In a world of podcasts about movies, sci-fi, TV, and podcasts about sci-fi, TV, and movies, two women chose to add their voices to the fray. Two sisters. One woman was willing to go to any length to explain away plot holes and bad pacing. I don't think, first of all, much like the entirety of this film, I don't think we're supposed to ask a lot of questions. The other, though, had no such sympathies. Oh, I hate it. I hate it. Together, they joined forces to highlight the good, the bad, and the truly bizarre. This is See You Next Week in Space. Welcome back to See You Next Week in Space. This week, we are rejoining our conversation on the 2022 thriller horror hit, Megan. We begin by talking about the start of this new test phase with Megan as she becomes a real girl-looking type of doll. Enjoy. As always, thanks for listening. And the reason they're there today is they're going to test Megan. So now, I forgot to say, Megan has now been turned into a real girl in a sense she's got hair she's got a dress on you know she's like more like an actual person Um, but they've brought her into the office to do some more tests now that she's been interacting with Katie more and in the context of these tasks tests she asks about Katie's parents learns that they're dead then and she learns because she googles it on her own Um, yep. And then she asks about death, which freaks everyone out. And Gemma basically tells Katie or tells Megan one to like turn herself off. This is when we get the reveal that Megan has been activated without any of the normal protocols or parent controls that would normally presumably exist when this product goes out onto the market. Um, seems like not great. No. Um, And then Gemma makes a rather fatal mistake because she tells Megan that one of her prime directives is to protect Katie's physical and emotional well-being at all costs. Mm -hmm. Um, And then she kind of forces her to uh, turn off. And then again, I do like the kind of comic bits in this movie because they're done really well. So it's been this like very tense like couple minutes and then Cole, like once Megan's turned off, is like, I'm gonna go get a coffee. And he just walks out. <laughs> He's like, I can't can't deal with this, which I I really appreciated as well. Um, we're back at the house, and Katie's playing outside where she loses one of these weird arrows she's been shooting around. Megan helps her find it, and then they both get attacked. By the neighbor's dog. This has been kind of established earlier that Gemma and her neighbor. It's not that they don't get along. I think but they don't get along. <laughs> they're not. They're not like super chums either. And they seem like there's they like have a like whole... an active rivalry ish to me. Well, like the first time we're introduced to this neighbor, it's like as they. Gemma has just gotten home with Katie for the very first time and the neighbor is like doing some sort of like 
chemical wash on her plants that are on the same are on the fence on the other side and because there's this hole in the fence who knows why the hole is there the the chemical water kind of like drips into Gemma's driveway and it's very like typical neighbor bullshit but they didn't seem actively hostile is what I would say like they seem like that's how I read it anyway um but things they're a a pair of neighbors that are always like up each other's butts about something and like always wanting to gripe at each other that's sort of the vibe I got well it gets there very quickly either way um because so there's this hole in the fence and through the hole Megan and Katie actually get attacked by this dog so this dog is not great um, not but Gemma fault. doesn't, it isn't the dog's fault, but it is his responsibility. <laughs> it's, the, um, it's the neighbor. I will defend the it's dog. It's the dog's owner's responsibility yeah. to make sure that that dog doesn't attack a small girl. Correct. Um, Gemma doesn't hear this, uh, upset because she's sitting in her office listening to a podcast while she's working. Um, and by the time she does get outside, everyone's shouting, um, and the neighbor is there and Gemma's like, you need to learn how to control your dog. And Gemma's like, well, you need to just shut the fuck up. Um, and then later that evening, Gemma has of course called the police on her neighbor to scold her for what has happened because Katie gets like bitten on the arm now, as a result go of this. After Megan first or goes after Katie? I think he like cuz yeah, I is think it supposed to be like the dog is noticing that Megan is not a, real. Oh, interesting question. I'm just trying, no, I'm just trying I don't, to absolve the dog here. Yeah, I don't think so because I'm trying to remember because Megan I, tells Katie her arrows on the other side of the fence. Okay. But now I can't remember whose hand goes through to collect it yeah. or not. Like it's one of them does it. Okay. But I don't think it to the dog. I don't think it matters okay. because later when Megan is calling the dog, she shows her hand again and the dog doesn't know that it's not. A person's hand. Okay. So I think whoever would have put their hand through that hole to they get the arrow get would have gotten their hand bitten, yeah. I think. Okay. Um, so Katie ends up with a bitten up little arm. Um, the cop shows up and she's like, well, do something about this. And he's like, I can't. Like, this, the dog was on its own property. The girls got onto it. He's like, you could fix the hole in your fence rather than complaining to me, to which Gemma scoffs. She's like, why is it my problem to fix the hole in my own fence? Um, This is the other thing that I don't like about Gemma is that not only is she extremely cold and emotionless, she also thinks everything is everybody else's problem. Um, I feel like the two kind of go hand in hand. No. I guess so. I guess so. I'm not saying, I I don't think you're wrong, but like if someone was emotionless, like why would they care about anyone else? Or why would, like it would, I don't know. It seems like those But like just because you don't like, 
just because you don't like people doesn't mean you shouldn't. I'm not like, saying it's right. I'm not a, saying it's the correct way to be. <laughs> I'm just saying I think if you're like emotionless and don't care about other people's feelings, you probably assume their feelings are stupid. So therefore, you are right all of the time. Do you know what I mean? That's kind of how I. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. I'm not saying it's a good way to um, be. I'm just saying if someone were no, that way. No. This, like, so this, is it's, it's a combo platter here for her where it's like, yeah. on one hand, she's completely obsessed with work, and on the other, nothing is ever her fault. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she's like, as if I'd, like, fix a fence, which would then, like, resolve all of these issues. Why should I do that? You know? Yeah. Um, later on in the evening, what happens to the dog? Well, um... I believe Megan kills it, but I forget exactly Indeed. how. Well, she goes up to the hole in the fence, and she mimics the neighbor's voice um, and calls the dog. And that's another thing. This is a talent that she develops. She, can, she starts to mimic people's voices, and this is when we hear it for the first time. And that is creepy. Then she... Yeah, and then she, like, puts her hand so that her hand is visible on the other side of the fence but through the hole to the dog. And she does, like, a palm, like, her palm is flat down facing the ground. And she does, like, a motion that I think is probably, like, a training motion where she's, like, do we come? And she pulls her hand um, to to have the dog come through the hole. Mm. And as soon as it does, we see, because we're only on the side of the fence that the dog is as a viewer we see the dog get pulled through the hole and that's all we see okay um now the next i don't like mm. dog murder and i generally don't like most people don't the funny thing about horror movies for me is like a big red flag in a movie for me is when a dog dies and in horror movies it is a big pro- it's my biggest problem with horror movies if I'm honest like yeah they I get it really like I get it kill dogs and I don't like that they trope. do that's it I don't like it I get I agree <laughs> um the following day the dog's owner is out searching for the dog the dog is missing mm. um Gemma then checks in with Katie to see if she... Because today is the day that Katie and Megan are meant to do a demo for, like, this big group of executives. Mm -hmm. Um, And Gemma kind of pretends to have emotions in this, but she doesn't really. She's like, I mean, we can cancel it even though a bunch of people are coming from all over the country to see this, but it's up to you. And so Katie's like, I guess I'll go. (laughs) Um, good guilt trip when we get I know we get to the the playroom with the weird observation window and David gives a presentation before revealing Katie and Megan to this group of executives and at first it seems like this demonstration is going terribly because Katie is exceptionally sad and she starts crying and is upset about her parents but Megan ends up comforting her and in fact, like, keeps a recording of Katie's voice remembering something nice about her mom. Um, it, she and then Megan, the mom's voice at one point. 
No, she she records Katie's voice remembering the mom. Um, Then Megan sings a song that I, I don't know if it's a real song or not. I think it's something that they made for the movie. And they hug. And, of course, everyone watching this is like, this is the most incredible thing we've ever seen. And so they decide. I want one. Yeah. Yeah. So then they decide that they're going to push Megan for the Christmas season. Again, it's not clear to me how close Christmas is to this. But it's coming, I guess. I, I know we've said it already. But if you're ever inventing something. Don't push up the timeline. Give it a second. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. I would say, based on our experience in this podcast, one, if you're inventing something, before you even get too far down the track, ask the question, does this invention really need to exist? Well, then there's that. And and then, if the answer to that is, yes, it does, okay, fine. Then the next thing would be, let's make sure... To just really take our time on this. Like, like let's not try and all rush it out there. Do all the protocols. Especially yeah. when we're Do talking extra. about something. Yeah. When we're talking about something that's sentient. When we're talking about like, oh, yeah. anything involving sentience. <laughs> Make sure yes. you've done all the Agreed. protocols. All the fail safes. All the like yes. um, system overrides. Whatever it is. I don't know any of the bullshit. But like do all of that. <laughs> Yes. Yes. Set everything up perfectly and then move forward. Yeah. Um, This is the point, like after the demo, Gemma, because I guess because she feels bad because she's watched Katie cry in public and maybe she feels like she's exploited her misery in some capacity. She tries to talk to Katie about her parents and she vaguely tries to parent her unsuccessfully and in this back and forth um, Megan is interjecting and Katie is and Gemma is like Megan turn off and then Katie is like Megan turn on (laughs) Um, but basically this amounts to Katie not wanting to talk to Gemma about anything Um, we get back into the playroom at work Lydia is there for another observation session um, and this is when Katie is drawing again and Lydia hopes to gather information from this drawing, but Katie is not particularly responsive. Um, as Lydia pries, she eventually makes Katie cry. Megan is there and she is not happy to watch an adult make Katie cry. Um, and I think she even says, you made her cry. And then Lydia's like, well, it wasn't my intention. And she's like, but it happened all the same. Okay. You know, okay. like, so. Okay. Here's the, here's something that doesn't happen in this movie until like the 11th hour. And that is anyone, maybe Gemma does it, maybe Gemma is, does it a little bit sooner than everyone else. But like the concern I would have if a doll said that to me. If the if a doll looked at, <laughs> if a doll looked at me and shamed me about like and said yes. like you just made her yeah. cry you, and it happened anyway whatever. Um, right. I I would be very taken aback and that's an upsetting development. <laughs> yeah. 
and I would tell someone and I would also just run away <laughs> I think <laughs> like that is or like apologize maybe because I've seen too many movies like this I would apologize profusely <laughs> maybe I would be like I'm well, so so sorry I really didn't mean to oh my Katie I'm so sorry I love you <laughs> right 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 I mean yeah it's a weird vibe because then Lydia speaks with Gemma and is like, do you think that you're relying on Megan too much? Like, effectively, that Megan is Katie's parent and you are just semi there. Yeah. Um, to which Gemma is like, absolutely not. Like, Gemma, or sorry, Megan has been super important. And she even says, like, that Megan has helped Katie, and this is a direct quote, get over the loss of her parents. And I'm like, I don't know how much time has passed, but I don't think that's a thing. What this is like uh, way too fast. If if one can ever yeah, get I over the loss a, of their parents, I don't think that's a thing. I, mean, um, I know that's a thing that this is process. I, a better better phrasing would be to process the loss of her parents. That's fine. Right. Get over is quite an intense. <laughs> Yeah, and I and I was like, but the word, the word choice is interesting because it does suggest that Gemma thinks the problem is completely over yeah. because she could even say, and helps her getting over yeah. the lot. Like that means that that would suggest that it's happening now. We're in the you know the process of the thing, but she's like, it's helped her get yeah, over the loss tense. of her parents, and I'm like, over it. whoa, it is in the rear view, babe. We're <laughs> on to like the next thing. Um, Whereupon Lydia talks about attachment theory with Gemma and basically suggests that like when Katie needed emotional support in her grief, as any person would, you're going to attach to someone and that Gemma was basically emotionally absent. So Katie attached to Megan and then therefore perceives Megan in a parental role that Gemma doesn't have over her she's not wrong about that um yeah that certainly seems to be what happens because immediately next we go back to the house and Gemma tries to force Katie to eat the toppings on her pizza which as you'll see in this outline I say why it's pizza like it's not like a super nutritional circumstance in the first place so if the kid wants to take the mushrooms off or whatever like yeah, that's, that's, that's fine just like another example of her being like fully unaware of children. <laughs> like, well, I mean, like, but I, the thing is, I'm like, this is not the battle to pick about vegetables. Like, if not. you want to make a battle about vegetables, so be it. But like, this isn't the place because you're eating fucking pizza. Yeah, so like, come on. Um, this is when Gemma raises the idea of sending Katie to school um, where basically Katie refuses to participate, um, and they start to fight, and Megan flashes the lights in the house, um, because what's kind of happening, but maybe, like, uh, this is a problem. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's weird that Gemma doesn't seem to pick up on this. That means that Megan has also paired with Elsie, which is, like, the artificial intelligence that's running Gemma's house. Yeah. So I'm like, hey, robotics woman. You should be um, concerned about that. Why? 
Yeah, this is a cons- like this is a weird development that I assume you would not set up in this doll. Like right. I don't think you would necessarily want the feature of having it be able to link to the smart home technology that is also in the house. Right. Like I don't because then your house could um, take it over and kill you. <laughs> there's so many things that are not even as nefarious as that that could happen. That would be not ideal. Um, nonetheless, Katie agrees to go to Prospective Students Day. So we arrive there. But Katie is like, I have to have Megan with me. If she doesn't come, I'm going to pitch a fucking fit. So ultimately, they decide to leave Megan at the, the toy table and um, the kids are all there, and they're paired up to find chestnuts no, I have to a roast. And as you'll see, you wrote, okay, well, go ahead. You wrote what a fucking shit or a shitty fucking school. <laughs> yes. My question is: Is this an outdoor like adventure school, or like why are they outside? Um, I mean, Gemma describes it. Yeah, Gemma describes it as an alternative school in some way. It seems like a very Northwest type of thing. I won't lie. Oh, for sure. Yes, absolutely. That's another reason why I thought we were in Seattle in this movie. Um, But like, the thing is, is like, I maybe maybe it's like more traditional some of the days and other days they like maybe for prospective students day they want to do some of an example of their outdoor activity because it's like fun and shows like what's different about the school Mm -hmm. okay fine but i'm like finding chestnuts to roast like the lady who plays the teacher in this scene is like talking to this group of kids who are like between the ages of let's say seven and ten and she's like hey kids don't you just love roasted chestnuts? And they're all like, yay! First of all, first of and all, I'm first like, of all. Okay. First of all, it's not Christmas. Like, second of all, <laughs> roasted chestnuts are not good. I mean, they're fine. They're fine. But they're not going to evoke that level of excitement <laughs> from a group of 7 to 10-year-olds. It was as if she said, hey, well, do you want to go out in the woods and look for ice cream? Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, yeah. Um, and so anyway, the kids are paired up to go out into the woods to find chestnuts that they're later going to be roasting. Um, Here's what I will say. In this... Okay. <laughs> I'm trying to remember school because, like, I I didn't like school. <laughs> right. And I, I don't I don't think I would have particularly liked a wilderness type of thing either. And like no. foraging. I think you would have liked that even less. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think because there is a like non-learning aspect of it that I feel like I like. Like it's not learning anything <laughs> to go find a chestnut. Like that's easy. Or slash, you'd be like, I couldn't find any, and I did nothing. But like. Right. So that part of it is intriguing. But it's also very weird. Like, we didn't... It's just weird. I, I mean... It's, yeah. Anyway, that's it. That's weird. Yeah. So, as, this, as the kids are being paired up, a crazy mom who loves her son and, as I described her here, talks ceaselessly about her shithead of a son. Um, 
the kid is like way physically bigger than yeah. a lot of the other kids. The mom says that he's had like a growth spurt or something. And in fact, that kid is initially paired with some other kid who whispers to the teacher, and I'm sure what he whispers is, I don't want to be paired with this shithead. He's mean. Yeah. And so in some insane realm, I'm like, never send your child to this school, Gemma. This school is fucked. Because then the teacher is like, hey, why don't we take this big kid who I actually already know is a fucking bully. And someone else just said they don't we'll, him and put him with the brand new kid. The kid who's here on prospective students day. No, like put that kid or, who's the new kid who you're trying to lure into the school with like the best kid at the school. Like, or that teacher's in on it. And that teacher was like, you know what? <laughs> I feel like that doll is not right. And that doll is going to do something. Let's put her with that. Take care of it <laughs> for me. Um, so needless to say, Katie gets paired with a kid who does have technically a name, but I keep calling him shithead yeah. in this uh, well, we can, outline, and, we can do the, and like, I'm just going to leave it there. Okay. Shithead. Because maybe his name he deserves Shateed. that. Um, <laughs> maybe. In some <laughs> cultures, maybe that's how it's pronounced. Yeah. Um, and the two of them are sent off into the woods to look for chestnuts. When Shithead finds one, he jams it into Ka- the palm of Katie's hands because it's a spiky... I, I didn't know that's what chestnuts looked like. Um... So it's like this spiky green outside bit that like he presses into her hand. It does seem to make her bleed or like get a cut or something. Yeah, that wouldn't feel good. Um, that would hurt, even if it no, didn't break skin. No, Yeah, and so because Megan has been tasked with pro- protecting Katie from all sorts of harm, she shows up in the woods and... Shithead is like, what the fuck is this? Love it. And she's like, this is my doll, like, or whatever. And he's like, well, make it play with me. Make it do something. And Katie's like, no, I won't. And so then Shithead, like, kind of picks up Megan around the waist and runs away with her. When they are on their own in the woods. I know. This is an unforced error on the part of Shithead. Yeah. Um... When they're on their own, this was kind of, this was really disturbing to me. Like, Shithead kneels on top of Megan in a way that, like, like, this movie wasn't going to go there. But, like, I was like, this looks like a sexual assault. Like, this is really not nice. And he's, like, going into her face and, like, saying, like, play with me, do something, do something. And then he slaps Megan across the face and I mean, he was definitely like, like that. That behavior is in a let's say ten year old, eleven year old at most, is future. Uh, future inmate. It's abusive. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and and especially like. The thing that's weird is because he's got this, like, earthy, crunchy mom who thinks that he's, like, the next uh, messiah or whatever the fuck. Yeah. Um, who even... There's even a clip where you overhear her say, like, acting out a negative behavior is often a sign of really high intelligence. And you're like, lady, your kid is a fucking shithead. I and think a lot of parents of to... people like this are like that, though. Some Maybe not always. Yeah. But... Well, I mean... 
Well, and, and we don't know what this kid's home life is, yeah. but like whether he's seen this behavior in his home or he's seen it somewhere, it's like, I guess you can say just like the pervasiveness of toxic masculinity that this kid is like, I already know how to subdue or he's a, a psychopath or he's a sociopath or something like, and the, yeah. the mom knows it and is trying to deflect that by saying how great he is. Right. Right. So luckily though, or I shouldn't say luckily, in in contrast to what might happen in real life, Megan starts pulling at this kid's ear and eventually rips it right off. Um, and then she, when he backs off of her, she says, and I do love this, this is the part where you run. Oof. And he does. Oof. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and this was another really good one because in terms of like how it looked, because Megan like actually goes down onto all fours and chases him. Oh, yeah, that was um, creepy. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I don't know. I think that is like that little girl cat. doing it. Yeah, I think it's that little girl doing it, though I'm not sure. Probably. Um, but it looks it looks really cool because it is, like, I think even Megan stands up, like, from from feet upward, right? Like, she, like, raises herself up first to standing, yeah. like, as if that, like, raising up from a pancake. And then she goes down on all fours. Um, and it is, like, I think that's what I like sometimes about these movies, about androids, that, like they lull you into this sense of like, oh yeah, that's like basically like a person. It's like oh, a person. Yeah. It's a person. It like, not so much that they're sweet, but like their movements like are meant to mimic human movements. Yeah. And then you're like, I forgot this is nothing like that. Mm-hmm. Like she can go down on all those and on fours and that makes fast. her faster. Yeah. 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 And so, um, she's chasing him, chasing him. Um, but in fact, Shithead runs into the road out of fear and then gets hit by a car and I guess dies is the outcome yeah, of that. Yeah. And the police show up. Megan is observing. Back at the house later that evening, Gemma's first response is Katie, you shouldn't think about this anymore. It was an accident. And my question is, which Katie, Katie didn't witness it firsthand. I can't remember. No, okay. no, because like they're running so far okay, away. Because okay. that's the whole thing is like shithead carried Megan away. Okay, okay. And then got chased himself. Okay. So Katie saw nothing. Okay, okay. But still, but traumatic. I think I. Yeah, still super traumatic, especially because she knows. I think she has some sense that Megan is involved in some way. Because yeah. she saw them leave together, yeah. you know, like, um, and irrespective of anything, Gemma should know, like, my parents got killed in a fucking car crash, and now this boy got killed in a car crash. And also, so, and also, even <laughs> without that, like, th- like, even without the parents dying, honestly, like, that's a traumatic thing for a kid to even know. Oh yeah, happened. for sure. Sure. So Katie won't talk to Gemma about this. And things sort of shut down on that capacity. Meanwhile, the cop that's been like stuck in the middle of Gemma and her neighbor shows up again 
because now the neighbor has called him to come because she thinks Gemma's done something to the dog. Aye, aye, aye. Um, to which Gemma says, like, no, I've done nothing. The woman's crazy. Um, later, when Katie is in bed, she's talking with Megan about what happened. Um, and because she's concerned. Like, that's the thing. Katie has, has worked out something is off, but she's not sure what. And because she does love Megan, she doesn't want to get her in trouble. Yeah. Um, once Katie falls asleep, though, the neighbor is looking for her dog out in the dark. You should never look for anything out in the, the dark. Hell? And especially um, look for a dog out in the dark is a really weird choice. Yeah. But instead, what she finds in her shed is Megan. <laughs> Um, and I'm not sure what sets Megan off now. Maybe because the police came. Um, but could, Megan basically she got, is like, like a bloodlust type of thing where she like killed once and was like, hmm, that was actually kind of fun. She killed the dog and then she killed the next kid. So maybe she was like, meh, take out this lady too. Oh, yeah, I don't totally know. I mean, I think if you really worked it out, although I don't know because I'm not thinking of it, like this probably goes back to that protocol of like protecting Katie yeah. at all costs. Yeah. But I don't really see how killing this neighbor does that yeah. necessarily. But nonetheless, this is the decision that the walking automaton has made. Um, the neighbor finds Megan in her shed where Megan reveals that the dog is buried, like she says precisely, she's like 32 feet over there and like six feet down oh, yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, oh shit. Like, um, and so then, she, so Megan kills the neighbor by spraying her with some kind of chemicals, right? That, yeah, I think so. Because we, this is another one we don't see. Like, I think that's we what we just we're hear meant the screams. Believe. Yeah. Um, the next day, uh, another police officer shows up to say that now this neighbor has died, that it's a murder, and that in fact the seeming accident at the prospective students' day is not, has now also been ruled a homicide. And since Gemma and Katie were like technically around both, that that is interesting to the police um so Gemma in this conversation already starts to seem a bit suspicious so she then goes into her computer to look at Megan's files and specifically like the video feeds etc um that go along with like her AI program and stuff but all the files have been corrupted. In fact, files from the past two days are missing. Um, and now it's so, too late. Now you've, she's like too powerful. Yes. Like she can do that shit. Like, yeah. Mm-mm. And Gemma has to trick Megan in order to turn her off. She had to do a hard turn off yeah. with Megan, um, where she's wrapped Megan in bubble wrap and she's like tied her up with duct tape. And she's bringing both. Both Katie and uh, Megan are being brought 
too funky for various reasons. In the car, Katie is freaking the fuck out because Megan has been turned off. Um, and she doesn't want to talk to Lydia anymore. Um, she just wants Megan. That's all she wants. And in fact, she freaks out so hard. She kicks the back of Gemma's seat. Um, which I thought was really good acting on the part of this, uh, Violet McGraw because it really had a very true kidness to her, the way she starts like kicking the back of Gemma's seat. (laughs) I mean, yeah, but like. I don't know. It just seemed very natural, I guess I would say. Yeah, because the thing about... Um, I feel like I can remember... Making it about me again. I can remember the frustration of being a kid and being, like, so angry about something that you kind of have no control over because of your kidness. Yeah. And, like... Yeah, like, that is, like that is a frustrating feeling. And if you have the ability to like kick the back of a seat, yeah, you bet your ass I'm going to do it. (laughs) Yeah. And just like the, I don't think I've ever felt such like white, hot, impotent rage as I ever felt as a kid with a tan, having a tantrum or something where you are like physically, like your body is just like, shaking and and I'm kicking and I'm like (laughs) you like freaking out like you don't think you ever had that yeah I don't I mean I think I probably did at least a handful of times but I like since like as an adult adult. I have never felt that feeling like in that level of intensity ever again (laughs) yeah well because I think as an adult you have more not not that you have more control but you have a little bit more like autonomy of like if you say you're not going to do something you cannot do it do you know do you know what I'm saying yeah like, yeah as yeah, opposed yeah. To yeah, as a yeah. Kid, if you're like no I don't want to do that your parent can make you right I guess right and that is what's happening here right. um so Katie gets dropped off with Lydia at the playroom the team meanwhile is talking about what might have happened to Megan's corrupted files And they're worried that this is going to affect the upcoming launch, I guess, in preparation of Christmas. Um, And then we see a news montage talking about Megan letting the world know that this is going to be the hottest toy for Christmas this year and that Megan will retail at $10,000. In what world is a $10,000 toy the hottest toy for Christmas? I'm so sorry. Are we all the Kardashians? What's happening? (laughs) I mean, yeah, usually I would say in Christmases of the past where I noticed this sort of thing, the price point was more like between $100 and $200 um, because it had to be like slightly more than a usual toy because it was the big Christmas toy. So it was going to be slightly more expensive. Yeah, like the $599, $20 toy range. Like, yeah, that's maybe not going to be the hot ticket thing. It is going to be a little bit more of a bigger ticket item. But $10,000 blows 90% of the population out of being able to buy that. Right, right, absolutely. And I mean, clearly from Funky's perspective... They, they don't care. Like, they're spending a lot of... 
Well, they're spending a lot of money to make the toy, which means that the toy itself probably costs around $5,000 to produce. Well, and I mean, the, um, the, yeah, and each individual one, right, is like a huge undertaking to make. So, I mean, I'm, I'm yeah. not necessarily disputing and actually, the price, I f- but it's just like... And I think actually maybe their boss even said like that they were going to be running at a loss for like a number, for like for the first few years while they're yeah. like, because of how involved making the toy is which is fine so maybe maybe at start actually maybe she even costs ten thousand and they're hoping that in time they'll like bring that down to like yeah um but in terms of the other side of like who's gonna purchase it that's the whole like that's the whole point they can only make so many so they'll probably make enough for whatever market is there yeah, it's not like people because they can't because people can't be getting it in droves because they can't afford it. Yeah, they, it's it's not like like the year I remember Tickle Me Elmo yeah. being like a huge fucking yeah. thing. Like Tickle Me Elmo, I don't think costs more than even a hundred dollars. I wouldn't at think the so. Time. I would say thirty but it, at most, but I don't know. But it was like a big deal thing. But like. And, and again, so that was like way more affordable than this yeah. is. This is like calling it the hottest toy is like there will be a lot of buzz around this toy, but everyone knows most people aren't getting it. This won't be. Yeah, yeah. this isn't whatever. Like whereas Tickle Me Elmo was like the hot toy because everybody could ostensibly right. Like you were a loser if you it. didn't get it. Right, and that's what is what brought grown men to like blows over a child's toy. In the lead up to Christmas, which did happen over Tickle Me Out. Right, and then like, they made the movie Jingle um, All the Way. I think Jingle All the Way actually came first really? almost, but um, before Tickle Me Elmo, I think so, yes. Um, but so I also was really irritated, or no, not irritated, concerned is a better word, um, to see this news montage because it was so familiar. I'm like, I have seen these news montages. And then I'm like, wait a second. The news isn't supposed to be a fucking commercial. Like, the news is supposed to tell us things that are important for us to know. I don't think that knowing that this toy exists constitutes that. Like, this is a commercial, though. I know it is, and it's very upsetting. It's part of why our world is so fucked up right now, but I didn't like well, it. Well, the news is also more than a commercial. It's made for ratings. You know, like, that's why... True, yeah. People have made fun of in the past, like, how they'll be like, what's in your drinking water that could be killing you tonight at 11? And it's like, no, bitch, tell me now. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) If it's that bad, I think this is a public service announcement that's supposed to be going out. don't give me a clickbait (laughs) on, like, if I'm going to die from my water. Here's why everything you eat in a given day is bad for you and killing you. Tonight at 11. Um... Yeah. So back at Funky's offices, Gemma is reflecting on what has happened. Katie is freaking the fuck out in the playroom because she is fiending for Megan. So weird. Um, When Gemma comes into the playroom, Katie threatens her with scissors and she's like, give me back my toy. Um, And then slaps Gemma across the face in front of Lydia um, Katie is basically completely like disconsolate yeah. without, 
Yeah, like she can't exist without Megan, and it's because she is attached, just as Lydia predicted. Um, When things settle down, Lydia steps out, Gemma and Katie are talking, and Gemma finally seems to start... Oh, um, in my handwritten notes, I wrote, G's really turned around on feelings. (laughs) She's like... Uh, started to understand that feelings are important and we need to deal with them. And so she talks with Katie about like the past few months and ultimately the two of them decide that they'd rather go home than stay for Megan's launch. In the car, Gemma calls Tess to let her know that she and Katie won't be staying and that ultimately after what's just happened, Um, She thinks that they need to pull the plug on the Megan project. Um, But, dun-dun-dun, Gemma actually wasn't talking to Tess. Megan intercepted the call and modified her voice to sound like Tess. And that's who Gemma has been talking to. So Megan knows that Gemma basically plans to take Megan offline at this point. It's a concern. It's not going well. Back inside the office, Tess sees that she's missed a call from Gemma and and that the call lasted like 30 seconds or whatever it was. And so she's confused. When she and Cole start to look through the code, they see that Megan has learned how to intercept calls and they realize what has happened. So Cole goes to unplug... Megan, whereupon she reactivates and like she she is in the same kind of rig that she was at the start, only now she's like all dressed and normal. And so she somehow like gets down off that rig and uses one of the like winches and pulleys that's there to strangle Cole. Um, Tess manages to free him by like, yeah, cutting the wire. Megan sets up an explosion in the lab, and we don't see Tess and Cole again until the end. Um, Megan um, is now roving the building. I'm not entirely sure what the deal is. And this is where we see she's walking through the building, and she encounters David, the big boss guy. And this is where the infamous dance happens. It's so strange. It really um, is a, such a weird moment. I actually want to see Megan dance TikTok. Is that where I should see it? Yeah, there's a lot of weird TikToks of people doing it. I mean, I believe that. It's um, sort of like the, I mean, it's not even that much of a dance. She just does like a little like head tilty thing side to side and then that's it. Yeah, I mean, it, it maybe lasts... 10 seconds. Not like, it's even, really very think. short. Um, it's literally, like, right before she But nonetheless... <laughs> like, yeah, but it's taken the internet by storm. So um, yeah. And then she... The thing to me that was even weirder is how slowly she walks over to the paper cutter that's there, removes the blade of the paper cutter, and then uses it to slice and dice David. Not good. Um, 
I also don't really understand why she does this. I This is another one where I'm like, how does this fit into the protocol about protecting Katie? Because... Well, because all of these people are going to try to take her offline, and if she's taken, I think like you could make the leap if you were an android, <laughs> that if she's taken offline, she can't protect Katie anymore. So these people are all the enemy. Sure, sure, uh, yeah, that's fair. But I guess like my, I understand that. But like the thing is, is like David doesn't know that Gemma plans. Yeah. I also feel say, like she is just at this point. Right. Like I also feel like her, some of it. Her existence isn't under immediate threat. No, true. Like it will like, happen. True, and I also just think that maybe it's not even as deep as her protecting Katie anymore. She is just. I think. I think she found out she likes killing people. Maybe that too. Um, Basically, she ends up killing David and his assess assistant in quick succession. And what this does is create a distraction at the launch, unsurprisingly, because an elevator door opens and two bloodied corpses are there. Um, and so Megan is able to walk out of the building without being noticed. And she gets into a Tesla, of, of course. course. Um and I think part of the other reason, like one of the other things they do with the neighbor and a couple other characters is Megan from behind the side looks enough like a real girl mm -hmm. that people don't notice her yeah. in that way until they like really look at her face. Sure. And so I think that's the other thing as well is like she's able to walk out and get to this car because if you don't super look, that just looks like a little girl who's weirdly driving away in a tesla but it's nonetheless a, she like yeah so the final scene the climax um is back at Gemma's house uh Gemma comes into the living room to find Megan there playing the piano and so Megan is extremely upset yeah Megan is extremely upset because she basically is like, you've decided to throw me away. You and Katie together have decided um, you don't want me. And I, and I think it's in this little speech, she says something really like quite concerning. She's like, Gemma, Katie's ours. Eee. You know, like, um, and she's trying to say like, you want to focus on your work and I can take care of Katie and then we'll both be happy. Like, don't you want that? Um, they get into an altercation, which Katie hears and comes, and Gemma has to pretend that everything's fine. Uh, Gemma then throws water in Megan's face, and she starts to freeze up. So she's so Gemma's able to like run away briefly. Um, when Megan comes back online, this is why I think this girl who does the, like the physical part of being Megan is really really good because it's not only the dancing but like. The gymnast, like I think I read that she's a gymnast. That would make sense because she's walking in this very like um, herky jerky, mm -hmm. again kind of like a marionette or a zombie or something, um, because the water has like kind of messed with her systems a yeah. little bit. Um, Gemma then attacks Megan with a buzz saw uh, without success. Um, and in my handwritten notes, I wrote, Megan now looks like a garbage pail kid. <laughs> like when they close up 
on her face and like half of it is like ripped down the side and you see a bit of her inner workings and then her hair has her hair that actually is like this beautiful wig at the top is now being cut away and it looks like (laughs) semi-bald no it's not totally but like the front part is cut away and the back part looks nuts and i was like oh that's a real garbage pail kid (laughs) look i want to it was something you might have yeah, Garbage Pail Kids. Um, Garbage Pail Kids was this thing that, yeah, I think you might be just, the difference between our ages is the reason you don't they remember look like them. They um, grosser. Kind of, yeah. They're gross Cabbage Patch, and they were trading cards. Oh. Um, and, yeah, it says here, Garbage Pail Kids is a sticker trading card um, originally released in 1985 and designed to parody the Cabbage Patch Kid dolls. Oh, they're real gross. Um, they're really gross. Um, they made a whole movie of that, didn't they're they? They're really gross. They did make a movie of Garbage Pail Kids. I don't know how they could possibly... Like, I don't... But it's not important. Um, that's what she looks like. But, yeah. That's what she looks like, for sure. Um Ick. And I just saw, they're really I just gross. Saw still from the movie. Yuck! I need to stop looking at that. Yeah, they're really, really unpleasant yeah. to see and behold. Um, but that's what Megan has ended up looking like. Um, Katie then walks into this confrontation, and um, oh yeah. Oh wait, no, sorry. Okay, so then. Um, when Megan sort of recovers from being buzzsawed, she tells Gemma that the new plan is that, because Gemma's been so resistant, basically, the new plan is Megan has already surmised that Gemma, that Katie and she can't just run away and live together. They need Gemma because they need an adult to make the whole system work. So what Megan has decided (laughs) is that Gemma is going to be paralyzed. She's evil. Like she, I think she really has turned like there's, there's a corner that's been turned here where. Yeah. And one of the things that she tells Gemma is like, I've developed skills that you don't know about. And one of them, I know one of them is palliative care, (laughs) which means that like, that is so creepy. This is not an example of palliative care, but like what she's saying is, is like in a future scenario, a thing, yes, a Megan could yeah. nurse. Yeah. Um, and so, so that's the news plan okay. is I'll be, you'll be paralyzed. I'll be your nurse. I think probably also there's some implication that like, cause Gemma has to be, it's interesting. Gemma has to be functional enough that there will be no one else in the system but Gemma, Megan, and Katie. Yeah. So Gemma has to have some amount of brain function and activity still happening. Right. So the paralysis would require the care, but it's not necessary. I don't think Megan's plan is to like make her brain dead. Turn Gemma into a vegetable because then some other somebody else would have to also probably be around yeah. in some capacity. So it's like, no, we, we need this perfect situation where I will get to take care of Katie as I've been instructed, 
but you got to be there to like make it all hang together. So once this plan has been unreal, un, or sorry, un, not unraveled, revealed, um, Katie catches Megan. She sees that things have gone very poorly. Um, and Megan tries to explain what's going on in a calming way. Katie doesn't necessarily seem to believe it. But there is, again, this the Violet McGraw is a very good actress because we see her walking into the room and her face is kind of um, neutral, I guess. And meanwhile, we're watching through Megan's eyes her kind of chart Katie's responses. And this is shown throughout the movie that Megan can see people's like levels of anxiety right. and pleasure and joy and all that. She can read, what is it? Micro expressions. Right. And so we watch those kind of twirl, twirl, twirl until it lands on something where like, it looks like Katie trusts mm-hmm. Megan. And so you're like, oh no. Like she's going to go on along with this plan and Gemma's in for it. But instead, Katie's been tricking Megan because meanwhile, she's put on the gloves that control Bruce. And so Katie uses Bruce to fight Megan. Um, She like bashes Megan around a bit, then rips Megan in half where the top half keeps fighting and kind of drags itself along the floor. This is another question I had in thinking about this because of watching Megan do other things that are non-human. If she's got her hands and the top half is still like kind of functional, why doesn't she just walk on her hands? That's a good question. Since we, why does she drag herself? That's a good question because we, yeah, because we saw her walk on all fours before, so she, technically, she could probably walk. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Maybe that looked. Maybe that was like too stupid looking or too like funny looking at a point that was meant to be. More yeah, I think dragging on ominous. the floor is definitely more ominous and scary. Like, doing a handstand yeah. across the floor looks a little bit more like I'm doing a trick. <laughs> like, I mean, I would have liked to see it, it but I appreciate funny. that it would have... It might have been too comedic for what we were going <laughs> yeah. for at the moment. Yeah. Um, Gemma manages to recover a bit and smashes Megan's head... Megan starts to strangle her, but ultimately the person who deals the death blow to Megan is Katie, who stabs her because, like, Megan's face has been ripped off. And so, like, I don't know if it's actually her motherboard or what it is, but it's a, it's effectively where Megan's brain yeah. is. Is exposed. Katie stabs a screwdriver into it, and that's it. The cops have shown up. We see that Cole and Tess survived the explosion, but then what's the final thing we see? Uh, the little, uh, well, I was going to call her Alexa. The little Elsie, the Amazon Elsie, lights up inside the way it does, like, when it's, when you talk to it. Yeah. So, and we already know. That there's a sequel. As viewers, that, yeah. Uh, whether the sequel will ever come or not. Like, at that time, we didn't know, but now we do know. Um, but we also knew even beforehand that Megan had found her way into the LC system. So we know what's what. I sort of forgot that about the very Um, end and how they would bring in a sequel, but yikes. 
Yeah. No, I am curious to see the execution of whatever that. they do. Yeah, like how how this is going to go. Um, particularly the other thing I was thinking of is like the kids will have aged. Yeah, and especially like the child actors will have aged. Yeah, and especially like there's a big difference between an 11-year-old and a 14-year-old. Like big difference. Yeah, by the time well cuz like cuz yeah, cuz like Violet McGraw was 11 and Amy Donald was 12. And if this was in 2021... When this was being shot, yeah. And then the next thing won't be for another four years. And as we said, it might even end up being a bit longer than that. Yeah, like Violet will presumably play... She'll be probably like 15 or 16 playing like a 13-year-old probably. Although we don't know. Um... And so that will be interesting yeah. is all like, and parti- and, it, and it was one thing to think about her, but I was also like, cause they plan to use the same body actor for Megan as yeah. well. And I'm like, Oh, she's so gonna be big. <laughs> she's going to be, be like an adult doll. Yeah. There's gonna, there's gonna have to be some sort of movie rationale as to why Megan looks more like a teenager, let's yeah. say than a child interesting that um, could be creepy though i don't know yeah it'll be i you know and because as well i'm like that would suggest that somehow Gemma has like gone back to doing this idea yeah. like which is a terrible idea or um might, or the, but we'll find yeah. out interesting yeah so that's it we'll we wait with bated breath to see what megan 2.0 can bring us um, but so now for yawns and eye rolls, starting with yawns, uh, one yawn is like, I was on the edge of my seat. This was excellent. And 10 yawns, 10 yawns were like, I was horizontal on my couch. This was terrible. What would you uh, give it? I'm all in for this. I watched it twice of my own volition. Mm. So I would say one. <laughs> yeah, I would say a one as well. Although it was funny, like, my week this week was like a little bit unusual. So I watched this movie like because I had a weird time before dinner to watch it. Um, and so because of that and because of the nature of this uh, podcast, as we discuss, it still felt like a chore yeah. to me <laughs> a bit. I was like, Maybe that's why I didn't watch uh, it this week too. Like, I, was like, I, like to, I like to watch things when I want to watch it, not when I feel like I have to or there's a timeline. Yeah, but nonetheless, I still give it a one anyway. Um, in terms of eye rolls, one eye roll being I bought into this world and it was like kind of fully realized. And 10 eye rolls being like, this was utter nonsense and I don't think it was well executed at all. What would you give it? I think I might say one again. I bought into it. I know it's a, I know hmm. it's an, a live doll movie. <laughs> But, <laughs> but I, but I was on board. I think, yeah. But it's alive because of science, not because of magic. Correct. Which I think is That's different. True. That's true. It's not a haunted <laughs> doll. It's just a doll that like a scientist made and then didn't do the checks and balances on. Right. It's not a doll that is inhabited by some sort of demonic figure, which in and of itself demands that I believe in demons in the first place. Like, you know. Right. Yeah. So you say, you say one. Okay. Yeah. I say one too, because even, 
oftentimes, um, the technology that is demonstrated in the movies that we watch is like, even in the more realistic stuff we watch, is like only nominally connected to what seems like is possible. Um, and this is much more like, Especially, I think even between when this movie came out and now, like the the capabilities of AI have grown, and like that's what people scary. think it can do. I know I, that's exactly what's concerning about yeah. it. But um, you know, so I'm like, even that part of it, which is where the leap would need to right. happen, is a very small leap. Oh, yeah. Like, and and maybe, and maybe what's really more the leap now that I'm thinking about it, is the robotics mm. part of it. Like, the actual yeah, having the AI part, an entity the that, actual, like... like yeah. the Yeah, like, would the casing really be that similar to a human right. being? Could that... Like, can that right. exist? And maybe we're still not there yet in that capacity. I think That I would be willing right. to believe. Um, ultimately, did you like this... And would you recommend yeah, it? Yeah, totally. And I think that I have. I mean, I base. I mean, obviously, <laughs> I did choose it. But like, yeah, no, I definitely like this movie. This is definitely right up my alley of types of things that I like. I like everybody in it. I would definitely recommend it. Yeah, I am same. I'm a like and recommend. Um, I do, even if you've not seen it and you've listened to this whole thing, you still haven't really experienced yeah. it. So do. I think so watch because it you only, because um here's the thing. It's, it's not a movie where you don't know where it's going right like even even right if, yeah 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 we know what's gonna happen yeah and that's kind of interesting too because it speaks to like that tiktok the fact that the dance and basically kind of megan's final set of kills that was released really early and there were some people in the team who were like maybe we should save this for the movie um and it didn't ruin it. Like, people knew it was coming, and they knew kind of the context in which it would show up, and people still went to the movie in droves yeah. anyway because they wanted to see it. It's an evil like, doll movie. All like, the I mean, same. that's literally what yeah. we all knew, so it wasn't like... Yeah. It, it's funny. So, and it does... Yeah, it does do a good job with predictable material, yeah, I guess. Yeah, it's funny is, how the, that can really be a hit or miss because sometimes if something is too predictable... You're like, well, why am I even watching this then? And then other times you're like, right, I this is totally predictable, and yet I'm in it. I still want to see yeah, how, how it how we get there. turns yeah. out. <laughs> yeah. Um, so do have a watch of Megan. I found it. It was on Netflix in Australia. I think it's really easily accessible. Yeah, I think it's on a couple. Pretty much on anywhere a that you want. I forget exactly which ones at the moment, but. Yeah, so that's a rousing four <laughs> thumbs up from us here. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Amy. I am Sarah, and we will see you next week in space. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of See You Next Week in Space. This is a production by Amy and Sarah Walsh with artwork provided by Riley Brown. If you'd like to learn more about our show, please check us out at seeyounextweekinspace.com or follow us on Instagram at seeyounextweekinspace. Until the next one.